Welcome to the No Religion NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, happy belated 4th of July. As to you, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. Hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to do a little audible this week. We're going to, um, and it's our last deep dive. It's the NFC West. We're going to do that next Monday. It's Monday because I have some work, um, I don't know, I have previous engagement next Tuesday. So we're going to do the show on Monday, and then we'll do the deep dive. But oddly, there's some decent topics to talk about for, you know, July 5th. So um, we're just going to kind of spend some time on that today's show. So, I mean, the first topic, Matt, is uh, and I'm fascinated by it. Uh, news came out last week. Zach War is trying to play football again six months after having to retire because of a potentially life-threatening spinal injury. Um, leaves the Ravens. Apparently, he talked to one doctor, retired, and now he's saying he's talked to other doctors, thinks he can play. A weird deal was that because he was expected to be a restricted free agent, well, he was retired, the Ravens didn't tender him. Why would they? Tender date has passed. So now he's an unrestricted free agent. A guy who had 132 tackles in the middle linebacker last year. He's 25 years old now. And he's making the rounds. He's been to Detroit. He's been to the Jets. He's been to the Colts. Um, apparently, up to 16 teams have shown interest. Guys like this just don't hit the market in July, right? Yeah, it is really interesting. I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to address it from a couple levels. First of all, those three teams you mentioned that he's visited or has been linked with certainly could use him. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't think of three teams – more needy of a guy that is what I consider a young quality starter, not perfect and you know maybe isn't even an every down guy, but you know those three teams could certainly use young second level help for this year and presumably the next two or three or whatever you would sign a contract with him for and I, and I wouldn't think it'd be a one year deal necessarily or maybe I don't know um but I also think the Ravens did an interesting way of replacing him, and I think that you know one way of looking at it was that the Tony Jefferson signing. You know, on paper and in the program, they play different positions, but I think Jefferson is going to spend a lot of time next to C.J. Mosley in nickel and dime type situations. You know, as a big linebacker, and he does that really well. Um, but you know, you look at it too from a Ravens perspective and say. Damn, you know, it would have been nice if we would have known this a couple months ago and we could have had to had you back at a cheap rate, you know, on your rookie deal still and kept him around because I think they liked him. But, you know, it's not like they screwed up. I mean, like you said, it was the obvious decision not to tender him. He wasn't even a football player at the time. But now you see this guy walk out the door for nothing, and it would be nice to have him around. Certainly, I just have a hard time believing that a guy would quit the game and the Ravens would let him quit the game after talking to one doctor. That just doesn't make sense to me. So if there's if there's any you know mistake by the Ravens, I mean, do your due diligence, right? That that just doesn't that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but I mean. If the player says, I'm not playing football anymore, what can you do about it? You know, I mean, it, it seems odd that the player would quit after one, you know, one 
opinion. But he did. So if you're the team, and maybe it did try to convince him to stick around, you know, what are you supposed to do? If he, if he says, I'm not playing, well, you can't make him. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, life-threatening. I mean, certainly, uh, certainly that's something to, you know, to make a guy, you know, to take attention. But, I mean, he obviously has seen other doctors since because now he changed his mind. And, you know, I mean, reportedly these these uh, physicals with the teams are going well. Um, it's been kind of quiet the last few days. Of course, it's been a holiday involved in a weekend. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested to see what the next step. Is there a is there a perfect team out there for Zach Orr? I don't know. You know, it's interesting because there has been talk – you know, here in Pittsburgh, you know, that when Timmons left, they didn't do a lot to, res- you know, respond. And I kind of mentioned maybe a guy like David Harris and now Orr would make sense to bring in a veteran, challenge Vince Williams. Those three teams that we brought up, you know, certainly the Jets need everything, and he's young. They're not going to win this year. Uh, the Colts need everything on defense. The Lions need everything on defense. So I like those three fits a lot, the ones you brought up uh, right away. I always feel like we talk about the Steelers and the Raiders too much on this on this broadcast, but I think That's Oakland's okay. linebackers. We know what we know. Are, yeah, you know, no doubt. But Oakland's linebackers are really worrisome for me, and he would be an upgrade. Yeah. I wrote a column on it last week for FanRag that the Raiders really owe themselves to look at Zach Horn. He may not be a, per- a perfect fit. He's more of a three-four guy, but you know, he has visited the Lions. They're a fourth-three team, so you know, it's possible that he could play in a 4-3, and, and the Raiders have three four looks, and they badly need it. And I do like the Pittsburgh spot, too, and that's what a way to stick it to your, your greatest uh, rival as well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I was think, also sitting here thinking, I'm not sure Denver has ever ably replaced um, Trevathan when, when he left, and I, I thought their, their linebacker spot next to Marshall has been a little bit of a problem area. Uh, I'm surprised Kansas City, I know they're cash-strapped, didn't do more. You know, Derek Johnson is not only old, but coming back from yet another big-time injury. Another inside linebacker wouldn't be a bad fit there. Um, so there's a lot of them, GM, to be though. honest with you. you know. I, mean, I probably could come up with a dozen spots where I think are pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's stick what we know and move over to the Raiders on my next topic for you. Last Thursday, Gabe Jackson really kind of underrated guard signed a $56 million extension with the Raiders. He was the pick the Raiders had after Derek Carr in that great 2014 draft, and then they signed him a week after Derek Carr. So they Reggie McKenzie commits $181 million of Mark Davis's money to those two guys. Here's a number that I think is really fascinating, that in the last two years the Raiders have committed a total of $159 million their interior offensive line that is Gabe Jackson, fellow guard, Kalichi Osemele, and 215 free agent prize center Rodney Hudson. You don't really see, is this a new trend maybe? Does Reggie get a lot of credit for building from the inside out on his offensive line? You know, usually the big ticket guys are, you know, the tackles, especially the left tackles. Yeah, I like it a lot, and, you know, the Browns have sort of do, done that this past offseason, too, you know, signing Zeitler and Treader and, and locking up Batonio for the long term. Um, there's there's not a lot of tackles to go around, so is it the right move to give 
Russell Okun or Mike Remmers or Riley Reef or Matt Khalil a fortune just because they're tackles and they don't stink. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really uh, what their qualifications are, and Khalil kind of stinks. So isn't it the smarter move to, to go invest in Osemele, Zeitler, Jackson, you know, star players at their respective positions that in an offensive line star league are going to help you? You know, I mean, so I do think this is a bit of a trend that you're going to see more guards and centers breaking the bank. And we did see it in free agency this past year. And I think it's smart because why spend money on tackles that aren't good enough, especially in this quick-hitting league that we're in now where quarterbacks are getting the ball out quick. Um, I, I always go back to the Saints here because over since I've been doing this, really, I mean, the whole Breeze and Peyton – era, there hasn't been a team in the league that has invested more in guards and centers than New Orleans. And they went out and did it again this year. They did it with Larry Warford. And a lot of it, I always thought, was Drew Brees is shorter. He needs a smaller, you know, he needs a, a pocket that he can step up to. You need that interior presence. And I think those things are true, but it's really worked for them. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the Saints have consistently won the best lines in the league. And they invest heavily in guards and centers and traded for Unger. That I think it's good business, and I think that it's something that the better teams out there are doing. You know that um, you know some of these offensive lines are really built inside out. You know we saw Alex Mack last year. What a difference he made for Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting. I think you made a really good point about. If the tackles aren't any good, then go somewhere else. You know, help something else that you can get more value out of. And you don't have to always be so traditional, you know. No doubt. Figure it out later and strengthen what you can now. Yeah, and I think that's the smart move is, you know, draft a dude in the third round and hope he develops into a decent tackle and help him with tight ends and running backs and, be strong on the interior and have quality guys there that you know can win. But, but, want to head over to Green Bay for a couple of topics, and I don't know if you have much to say on this. I found it fascinating, maybe because I, I just love quarterbacks, and I, I covered Brett Favre for a year and really, really enjoyed covering him. Um, he on radio, ESPN radio show last week. So you know what? I may want to someday coach the Packers or maybe be a GM of the Packers. Now, I don't know if Brett realizes how hard that is. He's not just going to give him those jobs, you know, um, and he's going to have to work really hard. But my question for you, could you see him in any of these roles? Well, you've met him, you've been around him, so I should ask you that question more than you ask me. But when I heard that, and it, it was funny because I was on the radio and I hadn't read the headline, and somebody asked me about it, and I started laughing. You know, I was like, what? You know, I, I, it makes no sense to me at all. I mean, he's, I'm not saying he's dumb, but, you know, he kind of has this persona of being the country bumpkin, and they interview him, and I didn't know what a nickel defense was until my eighth year in the league or whatever, and I didn't put any homework in, and, I, you know, he certainly has the reputation of getting by on, 
amazing physical traits for much of his career. Uh, that doesn't sound like a coach to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, that sounds like the polar opposite of a coach to me. Um, does that mean you can't be good at it? No, but if I heard Peyton Manning coming out saying, hey, I want to follow in Elway's footsteps and be a GM, I'd say, okay, I can buy that. He was a cerebral player. If Brady would come out and say, hey, when I'm done, I'd like to move to scouting or coaching, okay, I can buy that. But Favre, his, his playing style doesn't lend itself to being a great coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wrote basically, you know, I mean, this dude – tough. He is a bright guy. I think he plays up the country bumpkin role. I think he enjoys that. Um, He he is pretty. He's a a classic Brett Favre line was, you know, how do you, somebody asked him, how do you spell Mississippi? And he says, the state or the river, you know? (laughs) And, And that's classic Brett Favre saying, hey, I'm a dummy, but being very clever at the same time. Um, you know, and I know he's coached in the high school teams, and I, I'm not comparing the NFL to high school coaching at all. But if he wants to do it, and what kind of struck me is he said, hey, if this is something I may do, it may be four years down the line because I'm going to go watch my daughter play volleyball at my alma mater, Southern Miss, for the next four years. So it, it seems like he's thought about it. Um, you know, I, I think maybe a, a quality control coach, maybe an assistant quarterback coach, and I, and I don't know if you want his style to be taught to every quarterback in your system. I mean, I, it, it's not for everybody. But I think people would take to him. And he has a way with people, so it would be interesting. But I just don't – I don't see a real high ceiling there. You know, I don't see him becoming a head coach or, or, or GM, you know. Peyton Manning, he could do whatever the hell he wants, you know. Sure. He could be an offensive coordinator right now probably. I mean, if I was Favre, part of me thinks, <laughs> I mean, I love Brett Favre, and I feel like every six months or so, we have to hear from this guy, though. <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. it, it, Hall of Fame's done, so now we've got to hear from Favre. He needs to make headlines. You know, like, he needs the spotlight, and if he doesn't hear from him for a while, we're going to hear from him in some way in the media, and this is the latest. But if he's serious... I mean, I don't think it's even a quality control situation. I mean, those guys log more hours than anybody. Just breaking down film and doing grunt work, he would hate that, I would think. Oh, you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, see, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I could see there's a lot of junior colleges in Mississippi. I mean, maybe he is the head coach there or figurehead at one of those junior colleges, helps recruit like crazy, um, has fun with a lot of young guys and, you know, has a quality staff around him. Okay, you know, and if that works, take it to the next level and see if you want to coach at Southern Miss or something like that. I mean, but, I mean, I just feel like if he's the last guy, if I'm the Bears, he's the last guy I want, you know, taking Mitch Trubisky and saying, you're going to be, I'm going to turn you into a great quarterback, right. <laughs> you know, or Deshaun Watson or right. heaven forbid Mahomes. I mean, <laughs> you're trying to reel this guy in. And right. if he was a head coach in the league, would he go for it on every fourth and eight? <laughs> just, I mean, it'd be fun. Probably. But I just don't think it uh, just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. And, and I mean, again, it, it's not going to be the Packers, Brett. You're going to have to. You're going to have to do. You know, I like that junior college in Mississippi route for him, actually. Um, stay with quarterback of the Packers, Brett Hundley. Um, 
I have a I have a column out now um, on FanRag. He told the Green Bay paper, the Press Gazette, uh, Gazette, a couple weeks ago, that hey, you know, he's thinking about possibly being traded next year. He knows the deal. He knows he's probably drafted to be flipped. He's a fifth round pick. He, next year is the year for him to be traded because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2019. Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. And there was a report ESPN um, reported during the draft that he was almost dealt on day two. So that's a second or third round pick, but it didn't happen. Do you see a market for him? Do you see a possibility that Brett Hundley could be a starter in the league in 2018? Yes. I like him a lot. I think besides Garoppolo, He's the most exciting backup, the, you know, the perfect profile. You sit behind a star, you wait your turn, and now everybody's clamoring for you. And most of the time those guys don't work out, but they often, you know, but you can see why people are enticed by them. You know, Scott Mitchell going all the way, all the way back. I mean, all the ones that they were in Philadelphia to. And um, Glennon's a kind of good example this past year where I'm intrigued, you know, that – it seems like those guys get vastly overpaid and don't always work out. But I really liked them coming out of UCLA. Thought he very much needed to sit. There's a lot of ability there. But I have a feeling after this season, he's going to be a really hot name that we're all going to be talking about. And Kaiser doesn't work out in Cleveland. Is he going to be the, the Browns franchise quarterback? You know, he, he's going to be like Glennon, but maybe even more hyped. Yeah, and it's kind of a uh, kind of a sleeping giant as as far as the storyline goes, isn't it? Because I, I think it is going to happen, and I don't think a lot of people, were, you know, have talked about it. I, I would think he'd be more. I mean, Glennon's an interesting one because Glennon's played. He played as a rookie. Hunley yeah, at least there's more tape of Glennon. Yeah, Hunley's thrown ten passes, you know, but he and he was hurt last preseason. He didn't play much. Um, played well as a rookie in the preseason. So unless Rodgers gets hurt, I mean, Hundley's really going to have to eat big in this preseason. I mean, he's really playing for his future in this preseason. Yeah, and if I'm an NFL GM, hopefully, obviously, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt, but the only thing you're going off of is, you know, that we love them coming out of UCLA, and we've seen – what, 15 probably preseason games, which is something at least. You know, it's not like Aaron yeah. Rodgers is playing a ton of preseason snaps. So I'm sure, and I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine Hundley's got a fair amount of preseason experience, which is right. good for him. But you know, things are going to change. That's a little of faith. Things are going to change. Um, but two teams I'd keep my eye on with him right now would maybe be Buffalo or Jacksonville. Any thoughts on that? I like both those. I was about to throw out the Giants because Ben okay. McAdoo was a quarterback coach for the Packers. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You know, so I was just sitting there thinking, like, if I signed Hundley, you know, yes, I, I had to check off that I liked him as a college prospect, but that was a long time ago. And then, yeah, you have the college there, and then you have the preseason tape. But I need more than that to make him a $10 million a deal offer, or let alone a Glennon offer. So I better have somebody in my building that was hands-on with this guy, either coached him at UCLA or the Packers or knows him well. And Ben came to mind. But I like your two a lot. 
does assume you know assuming Bortles doesn't work out this year, right? Could do you, could he be a fit in with Kyle Shanahan's system? See, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to stereotype him as the big, strong quote athlete, but Shanahan right. really seems to like the cousin Hoyer Ryan type. Mm-hmm. And that's not hungry. Yeah. It just isn't. Right. Interesting. Here's a guy who looks like his career is on the brink, and that's Dorian Green Beckham, cut for a second time, you know, former second-round pick, and straight to the Eagles. Eagles have upgraded at the position, and and he, you know, he's been cut. He's a guy that's big and talented and had some off-field issues thrown into the league and hasn't done much. Any thoughts there about this guy? It's a shame. You know, I mean, it's funny because a lot of fans out there say, you know, like when he was drafted, he's big and strong and he's 240 pounds and 6'5", and he was the most recruited receiver in the nation, and we saw him have a year or two that was great in college. How can you let him slip to the second round? Or, you know, all these, quote, projects or risks. Well, they don't always work out. (laughs) You know, I mean – uh, he's a bust. He's he was a big he was a big risk coming out of school. Didn't even play his final year. Tons of ability. We all know that. And but you, you can't make him do it. I mean, you can lead him to water, but he can't make him drink. And now this is what his second team. And you know it, the writing was kind of on the wall. And I mean, he was traded for like a seventh offensive lineman straight up out of Tennessee. They just wanted to get rid of the guy. And, I mean, I bet he'll end up in a camp. I mean, again, would, is he better than the the last Bills wide receiver right now? Probably. You know, at least roll the dice on him. But it gets to the point where, son, we, I can only do so much for you. Right. Right. The last thing I want to talk about today, you know, is Dallas Cowboys. They had another arrest. Damian Williams, projected to be a starting outside linebacker. Arrested at a 4th of July event last night in Frisco, Texas. Um, Nolan Carroll, the new cornerback, was arrested for suspension of DWI in May. Um, they've had a lot of suspensions. David Irving, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is under uh, league investigation for the last year for domestic violence. The Cowboys uh, have a lot of talent, but they have some leadership issues here, don't they? I mean, I, they, they worry me a little bit that. You know, because they're, they're going to have a lot of expectations on the field. And, and I know your feelings about them, that you think they may take a step back, but they're going to need some maturity, and I don't see a lot of maturity going on in Dallas right now. Is that maybe an underrated problem for the Cowboys that, you know, they may be kind of getting a little loose? See, I don't know that that's ever not been a problem. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean even when they were winning – you know, I mean, Michael Irvin in the White House, and they had plenty of, quote, characters on that team. I mean, even going back to the 70s. <laughs> I'm thinking just the whole Jerry Jones era, uh, off-the-field behavior isn't the most important thing. You know, let's just leave it there. I mean, I think that's very obvious. You compare them to the other organizations in the league, it isn't as important to Jones as it has been to you know, other successful organizations. And they make it work, but it also hurts them, too. I mean, it's funny. I mean, especially around here, 
everyone loves to bash the Bengals as, you know, they're a bunch of criminals. And their situation is not nearly as bad as Dallas over the years. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, – I, I venture a guess that the Cowboys are the loosest team in the league. Right. And so maybe it's just Jerry's okay with it, huh? I think so. You know, and, you know, you get – better talent in later rounds because of it, and we know how that all works. And um, if you have a Jerry Johnson or Jimmy Johnson-type coach and keeps them all in line, and, you know, you have a potential steal there. But, you know, Johnson leaves, and, you know, I know this is ancient history, but and it has nothing to do with Dak Prescott or Jason Witten or Des Bryant or Ezekiel Elliott, but, you know, those teams in the 90s, they should have won more. I mean, to me, yeah. they should have been a Steelers-Patriots-like dynasty that they were one of the best teams I've ever seen. And for them to win two and then another, to me, was disappointing. You know, that they're – and I think a lot of it's because they, you know, didn't work as hard and party too much and Jimmy left and, you know, things went awry. And I worry if that's still going on to some degree. And, you know, you don't have an Aikman or you don't have a – you, know, you can say what you want about Irvin, but you know, you know, my experience, you know, when I was at the Browns, it was Butch Davis was the head coach. Campo was on that staff. Um, it was a heavy, heavy dose of the U slash those 90 Cowboys. You know, they were all Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson disciples. And they all said, say what you want about Michael Irvin. He was our most important guy because he was the most competitive human being in the world. He may have been hungover and, you know, throwing up a practice, but he worked harder than everybody. So just because you're a party or you're a, quote, character concern doesn't mean you're not an asset to a football team. But it's harder now than that. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Twitter and all these things and all these suspensions, I, I think it's a problem in Dallas, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I just don't know if it's talked about too much. I think we're we're talking a lot about will they have a you know these guys have a sophomore jinx and will the division catch up to them? But I don't know. Maybe just them being just not enough leadership may catch up to them. I think that may be an issue. I mean, Tony Romo's not going to be there anymore. He was a leader. Jason Witten's getting older. Um, you know, when say Des Bryant is a leader, I think you know Dak Prescott is going to have to be. A big leader of this team. I mean, and he did a nice job last year, but he's going to have to continue because it just there seems to be some, you know, kind of the, there's some leaks in that boat. Yeah, right. And they're, that, that's yeah. the way their organization works. And okay, that, that makes life tough on Jason Garrett. And I think we all like Prescott, and he seems wise and tough beyond his years. And that's great. But he's still only 23, <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, that's who you're going to look for to be the leader. And you know, I've heard some rumblings, and it's not that it's not a done deal that Zeke is there for re, or is there for week one too. I mean, there's a chance he still has a suspension looming. Yeah, you know, he's not. Yeah, I mean, Adam Schefter, who we both worked with in ESPN, was, yeah. I think was on a podcast or something. It was a fancy podcast, and you know, he kind of made it indicated that, hey, I don't know if I draft him early because who knows he's going to be there for the whole year. Um, that would certainly be an – I mean, you, you can't – there's, you know, the old thing, you can't make the club in the tub. Well, I don't have a fancy pun for it, but you can't win games if half of your guys are suspended. 
No question about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that's well yeah. said, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because who knows? So I, I but, think the Cowboys are going to be a team that we talk about a lot, you know, in the coming weeks and months. Um, I like the show. I, I love t- talking about topical things, and it was a, a good opportunity because it was a lot of stuff kind of came up at an unexpected time of the of the year, and we're going to do a lot of that once the training camp comes up. We're going to do a lot of topical stuff, and I think it's stuff we really enjoy. Next week we will finish our deep dive series with the NFC West. Again, it's going to be on Monday. And I have a couple ideas for the uh, the last two dead weeks, and we'll talk about that more. But, Matt, thanks. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson.